Hi, this is Esther, and you're listening to the Sometimes Always Book Club. We are reading Watchmen by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. This is Chapter 7, A Brother to Dragons. zombie apocalypse happening but i was like in charge of a restaurant and like managing it and so i had to be like you guys just lock the door and then they'll have to knock on the door if they want to come in and (laughs) like all the patrons were from the 1700s but my employees were like from the modern (gasps) era so like so you had a vampire diner in a zombie apocalypse it sounds no, like a they, were, they had tri-corner werewolves. hats and muskets, and they were like running up the stairs. And I'm like, maybe they were reenactors. Whatever. Oh, <laughs> yes, there we were go. reenactors, Ooh. but none of the zombies were. They were regular zombies. Did, did this play out like a, a video game, like a diner dash kind of thing, where you had to <laughs> get all the customers' orders to them in time, but also the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> no, someone left the dang door open, this... so zombies were coming in. And <laughs> that game sounds awesome. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. I kind of get the dinner to table three, but there's zombies climbing in the window. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's more important? And I'm all out of shotgun shells. <laughs> and now there's a five top. Hi, this is Esther. I am here with Andrew. Now I just want to talk about the room. <laughs> <laughs> and Katie. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Zach. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> Anne. Hello. <laughs> and Bob. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. I've only seen it once. I didn't have any good quotes. You took all the ones I knew. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> we're not talking about the room. Maybe oh. maybe in the future. Oh, fair oh absolutely. Oh, Today we're talking about chapter seven, which is A Brother to Dragons. I thought it was bankruptcy. Oh. Yeah. Chapter seven. Oh. Yes, seven. it is. But um, for those financial nerds out there. What's That's chapter right. seven then? Wall Street. Maybe Bros. chapter seven's nothing. I don't know. I, you can I, look it up. If I'm wrong, you can edit it out. This is a Dan-heavy chapter. And kind of a heavy Dan chapter. <laughs> and a heavy Dan chapter. It explores Dan and Lori's new living situation and the importance of identity to their relationship. Also, lots of naked Dan in this chapter, so be ready for that. Not enough. This has become my favorite chapter because of such content. The opening image is a reflection of Archie, Dan's airship. The second panel reveals that it's reflected in the goggles of Dan's unused night owl costume. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Now I see. (laughs) I was like, she wiped the dust off, then she wiped the dust off again? Like, (laughs) I was just about to say how brilliant that was going from one to the other, but... uh... Yeah. Obviously, it was a little above. Yeah. Uh, well, I caught other things you didn't. So fair enough. Other yeah. So yeah. <laughs> you can have the goggles. <laughs> Chick meat. Uh, we start with Lori exploring Dan's basement, where he stores all of his night owl gadgets and costumes. That's a loaded statement right there. What? We start with exploring Dan's basement, <laughs> where he stores all his 
toys. Yeah, I know you're going to say dead hookers, but no, actually. No. Night owl gadgets. Sometimes I say costumes. different things, Bob. <laughs> and his airship, yeah. which is a cool hovery round thing. It's kind of cute. A hovery round thing. A ra- Owl-shaped. It's an <laughs> yes, owl-shaped like airship. Like an owl in flight. Yes. Uh, sitting in the airship's cockpit, Lori decides to smoke a cigarette. Her crack. For some reason. And pushes a button on the dash, assuming it's a lighter. For some reason. <laughs> Flames shoot out of the front of the ship, causing a fire in the basement. Oh, Lori. Because of the oil drum that was placed <laughs> in, the in oily front of rags. the fire. Oh, my God. Has, who has an oil drum these days, honestly? <laughs> This was the 80s, so... Dan hears her scream and is reminded of Rorschach's theory that someone is killing them off one by one, so he rushes downstairs, concerned for her safety. While replenishing his sugar cube. Yes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They put out the fire and talk a little bit about their past as heroes. Dan's interest in aviation and flight in general and Lori being pushed into her mother's identity and life, which we have talked about in previous episodes. Um, it's just a very important piece of her identity. They kind of have that in common that they're both the second version of something from the past. Something that I like noticed in that conversation is that like Dan is Dan and Lori are the second, but Dan wanted it. Yes. And Lori didn't. And like you can kind of see Dan kind of fits a different role in that like in the whole thing. I'll look at my notes for a little bit. No, definitely. Yeah. It was something that he sought out and that he asked for, whereas Lori was just sort of born into it and then kind of pushed into it. So they have a different approach to that and a different reaction to it, but it is a thing that they have in common, and I think that's in some ways important to the bond that they have. It's interesting that we point that out, that he kind of sought it out, but of the two of them, he displays more regret or kind of a feeling of embarrassment about their yeah. past, whereas Lori's, you know, she doesn't think it's the coolest thing, but she's not, like, so as hard on it as he is. So it's kind of interesting that he was all about it going in. Now he's like, oh, well, you know, it was kind of dumb, I guess, but it was, was alright. I think he's more embarrassed about him being a nerd and just being, like, way too excited about it and, like, Birds. not knowing how excited he should be about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he like, wants to, like, impress Lori. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah it's kind of cool, I guess. Well, so I was kinda, an owl. Kind of <laughs> self-effacing, too, like, uh, you know, somebody who's into, you know, whatever geekdom they're into, kind of being shy about it, so they, they knock it down a bit until until they see if it's acceptable. Mm-hmm. And then they can go all out nerd. <laughs> and then go all into ornithology. Yes. <laughs> to everyone's delight. Dan shows Lori around the ship and she asks about his different outfits, which is really impressive, actually, the, um, the amount of different outfits he has. He's somewhat embarrassed about that. Like you said, I think maybe he's embarrassed because of how far he took it and he's not sure if she... Do girls like this? <laughs> Do girls like multiple <laughs> owl outfits? <laughs> See how coordinated they are? Different owl looks? But despite his embarrassment, it's obvious that they both miss the hero life despite its negatives, and it is something that they bond over multiple times throughout the book. Later, they see a news report on television about Rorschach. They worry he will get the maximum penalty because no jury will be able to ever sympathize with him. As we learned in the last chapter, Rorschach has basically alienated every group even a lot of the people who were originally supposed to be his allies. So I think they're concerned that he just has no one. And Dan really is the only person who ever defends Rorschach in this whole book, I think, except maybe Malcolm Long, the doctor. They discuss the situation in Afghanistan, and Laurie expresses worry for what's to come. They kind of flirt in this scene and end up kissing and attempt to have sex. 
but it doesn't really work out. But I do want to say about this scene that I think that the back and forth between what is going on with them and what's going on on television is one of the greatest... It's just one of the greatest transitions, this back and forth of him attempting to have sex with Lori and Ozymandias on TV doing gymnastics. Oh, yes, yeah. No, that stood out to me. In the line, our activities are entering spaces we thought impossible as he's about to get his bone on with Lori. I love that. I literally burst out loud laughing. Thank you. I hope you'll forgive me when I warm up. I haven't done this in a while. (laughs) It's a little rusty. It's just a fantastic scene with the uh, back and forth and the transitions are just awesome. But ultimately, he is unable to have sex with her and she's understanding about it and suggests that they sleep instead. Dan sleeps and has a dream about the Twilight Lady at first, who is a woman, like a masked villain from his past, who becomes Lori in his dream and then he becomes Night Owl and they kiss in the dream and there is an explosion and then there's this beautiful panel of two skeletons kissing, which is one of my favorite panels in the entire book. And he wakes up. I just want to pause on that for a second because I I have a lot of mixed feelings about what that dream means. It's It's obviously heavily symbolic as a lot of dreams in fiction are almost always symbolic. Not like regular dreams that we have. <laughs> They're just <laughs> stupid, like, you know, being a waitress at a restaurant when there's zombies. Coming. I think that I learned a lot about myself with that. Yeah. <laughs> but the, um, the atomic blast at the end of the dream in particular could mean a couple different things. One of them being just fear of the end of the world in general or fear of the war that is to come. But I also wonder if it has to do with thoughts of Dr. Manhattan in the back of Dan's mind. Or it was a wet dream. Yes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, We're I didn't about think to it... kiss. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't think about it that way, but I really like that tie-in to uh, Dr. Manhattan. But mm-hmm. I also wondered if it was him wondering if um, if they were running out of time. Because it's obviously something he's wanted for a long time. And I wondered if it, you know, if it was him looking at, like, here's the chance. And if we don't move on this fast, we could be running out of time, both geopolitically and age and every other thing. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how I always interpreted that. I think you're onto something, though, not only with his thoughts of John in the background, Dr. Manhattan in the background, but also the way that mimics the skeletal John when he was mm-hmm. being turned into Dr. Manhattan. And it also is a callback to the Hiroshima lovers graffiti mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the doorway. So I think there there's a lot of layers in just that one page. There's a lot of stuff that's happening, which... I don't know, like everything in this story, honestly, there's many, many layers to it. Yeah, it's like double the panels, too, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, they're like little little panels. I've got nothing for the start of it where it's an old enemy and then it becomes... Well, she... Lori finds a picture, like an autographed picture of the Twilight Lady and asks Dan about it. Mm -hmm. And he pretends... Like, he doesn't even know what her name... Or, like, he doesn't even remember what her name was, but it's obvious that he does. Oh, okay, that's right. From Um, one night bird to another. Love the Twilight Lady. (laughs) And uh, I think he's embarrassed about it. One, because he's interested in Lori and doesn't want her to think that he had some other romance with this Twilight... The Twilight Lady. But 
I mean, if he did or not, it doesn't really matter because it was years before. But I think he's mm-hmm. trying to downplay whatever that was. Okay. I think he had very yeah. serious sexual fantasies about her, and that's why she's in the dream. She was definitely in the spank bank. <laughs> <laughs> she is holding the writing crop there when she starts. <laughs> like, when he's, when he's talking about her, he says... Yeah, well, I guess she sort of had a fixation. She was a very sick woman. I keep meaning to throw that picture away, but you know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> the new issue of Penthouse hasn't arrived, and, you know, <laughs> thought I'd wait. Gotta open up the spank bank <laughs> one more time. Yeah, I I always viewed this kind of dream as really prophetic, like like kind of in that same vein, just kind of like it, we're running out of time. Like this, Like, this is it. Like, he was able to tell the end really is nigh in that whole like in that whole page it's just like it spells it out right there it is coming and he knows it you can read that so many ways because like i said it could be the things going on in afghanistan it could be his fear of john's reprisal it could be uh his age it could be you know is she going to leave the next morning and not come back again you know there's so many ways he could be looking at that that terminus well, I think it's also interesting because the t- skeletons are together. So when John was disintegrated or whatever, he was by himself and he was begging Janie to stay with him. So I think it kind of ties into that. And also that Dan is afraid if the end comes that he will be alone when it happens. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Because Dan is obviously in a lot of ways a lonely person even though he's got money and he has this great house and he has his dad bod. Yes, dad bod. <laughs> but ow, he's, ow. he seems like he could have had a really good life, and he has he's very privileged in a lot of ways. He has things are going well for him, but he's a lonely person. And someone keeps stealing his goddamn sugar cube and breaking <laughs> his fucking lock. Yeah, his poor dork. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> we do get a second, like actually a rival to the beans scene here, though. With the schlorp, schlump, schlump. Because now she, when she's sleeping, um, John, did you shove up a da 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 da? Whatever that is. She's a she's sleep scatting, <laughs> and not that way. <laughs> Dan wakes up and leaves Lori to sleep alone. And goes downstairs to the basement, and he puts his goggles on. And I'm sorry, it's a funny panel where he's yeah. naked with goggles on. <laughs> he's like sad, <laughs> sad and naked sad with his goggles. Man. And, and so <laughs> impotent. And Katie, if you notice, there's another dust yeah, scene up yeah, here. It's not yeah. dust. I was yeah. like, that's got to mean something. Like they're, they're wiping something away, and I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. We'll see yeah. as this goes. <laughs> Lori. Well, I guess Lori wakes up alone and goes looking for him. She follows him, and Dan tells her how powerless he feels with everything going on, and he puts on his costume. And Lori puts on her... Well, Lori follows, I should say. They take Archie out into the city, Archie being the airship, not some guy. (laughs) Archie Andrews? What are you doing here? (laughs) The crossover event of the century. (laughs) And they see a building on fire. Uh, This is foreshadowed earlier in the mention of apartment houses being set on fire to deal with people who are behind in their rent, which I think is kind of a cool foreshadowing. And now we see an apartment building on fire. I thought you were going to say it was a cool way to deal with squatters. (laughs) It's a great way to deal with squatters. It works every time. It was was very good foreshadowing early on because it is mentioned very, very briefly. So briefly, I totally forgot about it. It's very brief. 
Dan and Lori decide that they're going to help and intervene in the situation. Dan tells the people to go to the top of the building to be rescued. Lori takes off her coat to reveal her Silk Spectre costume. And as they're rescuing people, I just wanted to point out, as they're rescuing people, some asshole makes a comment about her costume being revealing, which is just sort of funny to me. Time and place, sir. Time and place. <laughs> Let him fucking burn. <laughs> which is never, uh, actually, but still. Not now, especially. <laughs> they evacuate the building and take the people to the safety of the ship. Don't forget they make them coffee. Yes, they oh. make them coffee and play music for them. Also, there's the the fabulous line, listen, I'm Smokey the Bear's secret mistress. Now will you please just move or throw yourself over the side or something? <laughs> like, like, I don't fucking care. Get in this goddamn flying owl right now or a so help me, young man. Like, that is big. I'll pull this car over right now, young man. Vibes. Do you want to be saved? Do you? Do you? <laughs> or, Mom, that guy in the space rocket, is that Jesus? <laughs> yes, the man in the owl outfit. <laughs> they evacuate the building and take people to safety. Dan is also thoughtful enough to serve coffee and play music because he's a nerd. <laughs> well, that's what I would want if I just escaped a deadly fire. You that know what is I what you use? do when somebody's upset. You make them a hot beverage. That's true. Yeah. The best part not... <laughs> of not burning up is soldiers in your cup. <laughs> You know, I am just so tired after having my building on fire. <laughs> it does take a lot I out of you. I could take a boost of energy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are this dark roast? God, no. <laughs> I don't need sugar. <laughs> no, oh, there is no sugar. Cubes. <laughs> sugar is gone. Damn it, Rorschach. <laughs> With the people evacuated, Dan and Lori are now alone. They share a brief flirtation before kissing. The thrill of the rescue has sparked something between them, and they are able to have sex. I say that it sounds so clinical. They do the do. They absolutely do. And then in the most subtle imagery of all time, the fire button gets pushed again Mm -hmm. while they are embracing. (laughs) Yes. And there's a big projection coming out from the shed. This was foreshadowed a few chapters ago when they beat up the muggers. And had that brief moment that was almost like sexual tension between them after that. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of, it was just a good callback to that moment also. Afterwards, Dan tells Lori he wants to break Rorschach out of prison, to her surprise. The chapter ends with a quote from the book of Job. I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. My skin is black upon me and my bones are burned with heat. Would you like some coffee? (laughs) I'll take it black (laughs) the interlude is one that's boring it is it's one that I even asked Bob I said I don't I never read this one I don't know how to summarize this interlude it's boring (laughs) it's I see it as just a very creative way oh yeah 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 I like this one to explain (laughs) Dan Yes. You know, that's just, don't overlook the old guy, the kind of, you know, vanilla in the background. He still has some punch in him. He's very poetic about birds. That's how I would say it. (laughs) It's an excerpt from an article written by Dan to the Journal of the American Ornithological Society. He muses on the possibility of studying something too closely and losing the beauty of the full picture by focusing on the details. He also discusses the importance of seeing a bird for both its beauty and for the details that allow it to fly. 
could be a metaphor for rediscovering the vitality within himself or I, something. I think it's also um, in contrast to Ozymandias, who like only sees the analytical things. So if he mm. saw Ooh, yeah. the bird, he would just see like all the scientific stuff rather than remembering the majesty of it too. Yeah, That's the heart. Good. The heart of the yeah. I kind of took it like how he views Lori. Like he's been wanting to be with her for so long. He's been focusing on it, and he kind of forgot why he was excited and attracted to her in the first place because he's built it up so much in his mind. And I will say my favorite part of this article is it uses my favorite word, crepuscular. I was just going to say it's probably crepuscular, oh, isn't it? Yes, it absolutely is. You know me, Andrew. I, Happy I, Valentine's Day, buddy. You know, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make a big admission. Uh, I was bored by this, so I gave up after one paragraph. So I, 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 so I, didn't, I did not know this word was in there, I, and I just kind of scanned it, and I saw crepuscular. My first thought was, I don't know what that word is. I wonder what it means. And then Bob just starts talking about, like, my favorite words in here. I'm like, I know this man. <laughs> I know this man. He's going to fucking say it's crepuscular, and I need to know what it would means. Would you like to know what yes, it means? I, I know, I know. Oh, tell us, Katie. Dawn and Dusk. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, to put it bluntly, it's when the chinchillas are most active. So. <laughs> oh, it's a period of time. It is, it is the. It, it's actually a, a type it's of chinchilla light. Chinchilla o'clock. It's, it's, it's... <laughs> Deer are also crepuscular. Yes. It, it's the the time of day, or more if, uh, uh, more specifically, the the type of light during that kind of gray area between dawn and dusk. You know when it, when it's dark but not quite dark yet and it's mm -hmm. not quite night and like when it's light but the sun hasn't come up yet it's that quality okay. of light oh so when i wake up and have to go to work yes. i gotcha yeah. i gotcha you well in the, in the summer anyway also. oh I unless feel you're so getting majestic. up at noon in the winter it's still fucking blackout <laughs> so quick character study i know we kind of touched quick. on this well, Lori is settling into staying with Dan and enjoying spending time with someone who listens to her and understands who she is. Like a and human. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she is somewhat reinvigorated by rescuing people from the fire and in the excitement she and Dan share. I mean, I, I feel like it's more than sexual. I feel like they share a bond. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's I think it's a reawakening and a release. Yes. Yeah. You know, in a. In a Obvious and spiritual, spiritual way. orgasm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> like you see her getting like almost excited to like, but you see her like when uh, when he falls asleep, she like puts you know puts the blanket over him and is like like almost excited to have somebody to actually care for her and for somebody to have to care for someone and, with emotions and yeah, feelings and like, yeah oh, vulnerability this is what it's like to be with a human being instead of a literal god mm -hmm. like oh my gosh yeah. what is it like i wish john got impotent more often instead <laughs> <laughs> so there was just it's four just of go, them go 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 <laughs> dan is we see a protective side of him in this chapter i mean we've seen that a little bit but we see it when he is so concerned that laurie is in danger in this chapter that he runs to her immediately thinking the absolute worst he's protective and worried about her but he's also drawn into the romance and fun of being with her and being a superhero together with her it's something that they share and they can bond over and that is very exciting for them even though they both kind of push that aside or complain about it or embarrassed or embarrassed about it it's a huge part of who they are do you notice how dan always needs a partner yeah he's with the comedian he's with rorschach he's with laurie he just can't seem to do hollis. it on his own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah hanging out yeah. with hollis he's yeah he, do he's owls uh, no i, mean, <laughs> I don't they're, think they're so. pretty so. solo 
Yeah, he he like he always needs that companionship because yeah. he, he's lonely. I mean, it, like she was like, it's oh, like it's so good that you like to be by yourself, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> love me. <laughs> I think also I, I, to go back to Lori. I think we see it a couple times in upcoming in the upcoming chapter too. But I will touch on it that even though she's so she she's very happy to have someone that she's connecting with on a human level and someone that she can take care of and someone who will take care of her there is always that mention of John there even in her sleep she mentions John so there's still you just i have this image of them like you know getting all cuddly and everything and her trying to give him a compliment and being like oh you know this is such a nice change from john and having multiple penises and, <laughs> you know always being perfect and knowing exactly what i need and always satisfying my every urge this is just a nice change <laughs> that's what i love about you how imperfect the, you yeah, are the best thing is his how reaction how often you screw up the, the best thing of that is his reaction when he's just like oh uh, yeah john, john oh god <laughs> yeah, <I'm>, <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> Don't go back to him. I love you. Okay, the next time that there's an adaptation of Watchmen stuff, you are Dan. Oh, you absolutely. Need, you are 100%. Rad. I'm so ready for that, dude. <laughs> I'm more than ready. The first time Dan and Laurie attempt to have sex, he's unable to perform, likely due to his mixed feelings about what John still means to her and his own feelings of inadequacy and his just confusion about who he is. and The fact that she's not the other lady, the, uh, the twilight, twilight lady. lady. That they'll uh, die at any second, maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of factors going into you know his being a little preoccupied he is changed though when they after they rescue the people from the tenement and finds a confidence within himself um to actually consummate his relationship with lori and actually connect with her and just you know be confident in himself enough to do that i have to say i hate that word consummate it makes it sound so business so <laughs> Sorry, transactional i couldn't come up with a better word when i write my outlines i really think I about it was well, a no, really good word it's the appropriate <laughs> word i just yeah. mean in general the use yeah. of it i know, is, you know i know i just i did think about that word though because i was like oh that does sound i feel like you should be straightening your tie as we uh, consummated our relationship <laughs> you know that's exactly <laughs> how dan explained it like i know we uh, oh god <laughs> so do you think he made them each use their superhero pseudonyms in in, in that scene where they're having sex <laughs> call me night owl call, call me night owl <laughs> who's your danny <laughs> who who <laughs> 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 that's that's Zach. some good shit, Zach. Ooh. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you, may, you probably made me peek the mic, so. <laughs> it's okay, we can cut. Um, <clears throat> we only see Rorschach for a brief second in this chapter in uh, a flashback. So That threw me off for just a second because yeah. I saw the flashback and I was like, wait a minute, he threw the pin in the grave. How did he get it? Oh. <laughs> It's a flashback. Oh, that, is that how that works? Yeah. Oh. We it also takes so see... much longer when we have to explain these things to you, Bob. <laughs> it's happening now. It has always happened. It always oh, will geez. happen. <laughs> <laughs> and Ozymandias appears in this chapter for a second on television, and I am unclear as to what show this is they're watching. It's not America's Got Talent? <laughs> it's not America's Delay or American Ninja Warrior either, no. <laughs> it's that basically was... just Ozymandias does gymnastics on TV. It might be Sick. like some late night yeah. like replaying of some 
old video of his, like some. He's performing live in aid of the Indian Famine Appeal. Ah, thank oh, you. Yeah, yeah, it's like a rerun, but like actually live or like live from back then, like a rerun. Yeah, yeah I think they made. Yeah. I think they said it was a rerun. Gotcha. Yes, yeah, so a repeat showing of last July's charity spectacular. Yeah, where it's just Ozymandias doing gymnastics for like it's two just hours, taunting Dan. <laughs> just, look how great I am. <laughs> Watch me spin on this bar. He's showing off that hot bod. I'm going to dismount. <laughs> I'm 40 years old. Watch me do this. And Kermit the Frog has made his appearance. Thank you. Appearance. My name is Adrian. You would be the worst stand-up comedian ever. Oh, dude, I've tried. I've already tried. Two tried. words and laugh and two words and laugh. Nobody I, knows what's going on here but him. Yeah. Oh, my God. He is... The Joker from the most recent oh, Joker. Oh Lord, have movie. mercy! Just all of a sudden, it's just, just me laugh. in my bathroom, just shirtless and just like, well, beautiful string music and just <laughs> <laughs> laughing. As soon as I get out of here, that's beautiful. So we are wrapping up chapter seven. So yeah, that is chapter seven. It's a shorter chapter. A shorter chapter. Not a whole lot happens in chapter seven. I mean, a lot happens in it, but it's uh, it's pretty contained. Don't oh, belittle Dan's. <laughs> they finally get it. So on. little happens. So oh. little happens. I was about to say there there I'm was like John. like one more piece of my notes. I know this is kind of lame, but like it does offer like a really good like kind of this chapter does a really good job of like kind of analyzing everybody's like motives for being like kind of putting that final slot into place where it's like you didn't really know why Dan did it. It's like, like, is he just, but like for Rorschach, it was, you know, his want of justice for Adrian Veidt. It was, you know, the vanity and kind of like, well, I'm the smartest man in the world. I might as well do it. But, and for, but for, and for Lori, you know, she's forced into it. But for Dan, it was just a want, like he wanted it like really bad. And nobody else really seems, and it's kind of like the only time anybody's been so bold faced about it because everybody else is just kind of like, well, I kind of just do it because I do it. And he's like, no, this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like from the get go. Well, I think it's obvious too in this chapter that it's what gives him confidence. It's what makes him yeah. uh, feel like himself and feel comfortable in his own skin is when he is Night Owl. And yeah, he could probably get into like burlesque or something. Hell yeah. That <laughs> Dude, I bet you he would be great in drag. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying. But yeah, I that and like... But he, what would his drag name be? <sighs> Night Owl. <laughs> okay, yeah, we got it. We nailed it. Uh, but that and like he he views all of the serious stuff he does as like super childish, and it's like like he goes out and he like he brought down like big crime houses, but like he seems like he's like oh it's just kid stuff, it's just kid stuff, but like he didn't just do kid stuff, like he was fighting fucking crime dude like, he's dressed as a bird yeah <laughs> he's well, humble yeah he's yeah. really humble about it but it's like yeah nobody else sees it like in that light and just like i kind of love seeing like dan kind of get his moment to shine even though if he is like a vanilla popsicle <laughs> yes no, i like dan though but yeah, yeah. He, i mean he's he's lame but he's lovably lame oh, yeah. <laughs> thank you esther <laughs> <laughs> It's my life with everybody I know. So. <laughs> happy Valentine's. Thank you. <laughs> so yes, happy Valentine's from uh, <laughs> sometimes always to you <laughs> and to uh, to Andrew, who's lovably lame. Only Andrew, though. <laughs> no one else. <laughs> you guys, you didn't have to do this for me, <laughs> but I'll take it. All right, so we will be back next time with Chapter 8. Say goodnight. Good night. Bye, Mom.